0: Hey, Rockheads. The Norwegian Developers Conference is once more coming to London, December 1st through the 5th. Come hang out with Richard and me in the Fishbowl while hobnobbing with such celebrities as John Skeet, Don Syme, Scott Allen, Denise Jacobs, Damian Edwards, and many more. That's NDC London, December 1st through 5th. Check it out online at ndc-london.com. We'll see you in London. .NET Rocks, episode 1057 with guest
1: Laurent Bounion, recorded Monday, October 13th, 2014.
0: And then the guy hits himself with a shovel. Oh no, see, now he's just giving
1: away the fact that we've been silly in all the lead-ins today.
0: (laughs) There's a story to that line. Oh yeah! It was uh, Mondays that other show that we don't talk about on this professional show. Uh, but this is our sort of comedic outlet. And um, Richard was away for the first time we did a Mondays without him, and I had installed a quote unquote Richard two thousand, <laughs> which was a device that <laughs> stood in for Richard, and and I started it right before Mark did his people dumber than me. And so what I had done is gone through a couple of shows and pulled out a bunch of Richard's reactions, like laughing and saying really (laughs) random stuff like, oh, that's nasty. And we were watching a video of some guys on ice or something like that. And one of them just started hitting himself in the head with a shovel. And Richard goes, and then the guy hits himself in the head with a shovel. So I just played that at random times, you know, as response to Mark's funny stories, the Richard Two (laughs) Thousand.
2: Yep. When are you guys going to do uh, a show with just bots as uh, guests and hosts and everything, you know, and then just let the uh, artificial intelligence talk to each other?
0: Yeah, that'd be kind of the bot show. That would be kind of yeah. funny. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I guess we should roll the music for Better Know Framework. Yes. <laughs> Like what? That's gonna be published.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you did it now. That's, we call this a show.
0: <laughs> that wasn't yeah. any point,
2: huh? At least it's not live. So <laughs> yes. yeah, right.
0: All right. Well, anyway, uh, let's talk about dead languages. Oh, apparently there are five languages that have been marked for death. I think I read this post according to Jeff Cogswell uh, from an October ninth post on uh on dice DICE dice.com right and you know i don't know what to make of this but you know every once in a while somebody just decides that these languages or are marked for death and um so this guy has come up with five languages uh pearl being number one I, i can understand that pearls being marked for death all right
2: but, no, I, I can understand why some people want it to die. But this is it's what not I'm saying.
0: As, yeah, this yeah. is exactly what I'm saying. Another, the second one is Ruby. Yeah. Marked for death, really?
2: Okay, same command, I guess.
0: That, that's the one that raised the stink. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Uh, and .NET <laughs> is on oh, his yeah. list as well. Sure. Okay, and, okay. and Adobe Flash and Air is number four. And finally, Delphi's object, Pascal. Right. So, you know, take from this what you want, but uh, <laughs> somebody has marked five programming languages for death. And it's at tinyurl.com slash deadlangs. Yeah, I did think that was just, it seemed more
1: like a, an opinion piece than anything it's else. It's definitely an opinion mm-hmm. piece. Yeah, and like,
0: all right. I mean, the other side of this is, is this language growing? Yeah, I don't think there's any technical uh, repository Status marked for death. I just You're don't right. think that you find it
1: anywhere.
0: <laughs> and if there are, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Right, <laughs> <exactly>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's talking to us? Okay, uh, I grabbed a comment on the show 10:42, the one we did with Mister Lino Tadros. While we, that was a fun show to do because we actually did it two pieces, right? Yeah, great fun. Yeah, it and it, it, always fun to talk to Lino. The guy works so hard. In such a, a deep way on mobile development and so forth. He could really tell a great story. He did certainly talk about Xamarin mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, and this comment comes from uh, Antoa Almada. Okay. And he says, uh, hi, this was a great show. It's great to listen to someone with such a long and successful career, but still so close to the metal. It's unfortunate that so many great developers are lost to management. We're not lost. We're just <laughs> doing other things. We're wandering. We're helping people. Uh, You know, yeah, there's almost a, a whole discussion around exactly that. Yeah. It's like at some point, it's like I haven't got a lot to prove in code, but I can help a lot of other people prove stuff in code. Mm. I'd like to add that what makes me use Xamarin is not only C Sharp. It's a language I feel comfortable productive in, and I agree that it may run down to syntax to some degree, but the other big reason is the .NET framework, especially the new features like link, tasks, reactive extensions, and so on, these powerful Mm -hmm. and useful features that take time to master. Some of these are now open source and ported to other languages like Java and JavaScript, right, because reactive extensions are all over the place, and even various flavors of link, too. But I can have it all in C Sharp and better integrated with language features like Async and Await. One of the great language and framework features I missed in Xamarin Studio is code contracts. Code
0: contracts,
1: yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, I got to relate to Antow here is like there's more to this than just the language itself. It's the environment you get to work in. It's the tools you have around you and, uh, and how much that can really be there.
2: Yeah. I think that's true. We can add to the list, uh, you know, NuGet, um, the whole portable <laughs> class library things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Basically, it's not just about reusing the language, but also the skills that we have and the tools that we have. And now that you can do that in Visual Studio as well, it's, uh, and and you have uh, you know ex- code uh, how do you say that code helpers or code extensions like uh, like ReShopper or Code Rush all that and you can use that as well so it's really a good productivity I think
1: indeed I agree so Antel, thanks so much for your comment a .net Rocks mug is on its way to you and if you'd like a .net Rocks mug write a comment on the website at .net Rocks.com or in any of our mobile apps we've got them for Windows Phone seven and eight Windows eight iOS and Android.
0: And before we go any further, let me tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer, IT admin, and creative training online. They have thousands of technology and creative training courses offered by MVPs and industry experts. They even offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access with a wide range of topics, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, Xamarin, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Mr. Buñon. Lauren Buñon has been on the Tablet Show before, but this is his first time on .NET Rocks. He works as a senior director for IdentityMine, one of the leading companies and gold partner from Microsoft Technologies for uh, developers. He's based in Zurich, Switzerland, where he lives with his family. Welcome to the show, Laurent.
2: Thank you, Cole, and thank you, Richard.
0: It's great to have you here. Um, we're talking about something I really love, which is uh, forms. All right. When I first saw this, I, was, I went nuts a little bit. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that it was uh, kind of, and I won't say fully mature, but mature enough to actually work and give me um, uh, some output product without too much fuss. It didn't take sure. me long to set it up. That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah no I, I totally agree with you it's uh, it's a fun uh, it's a fun project for sure it's a fun environment and uh, it reminds me of uh, of uh, you know the early days of certain technologies like WPF for example and uh, it's nice to see this kind of energy and this kind of motivation going back into into our lives as de- as uh, developers especially mobile developers I guess
0: Yeah absolutely so for the uninitiated let's define what Xamarin Forms is
2: Sure oh. Well, Xamarin forms, it's, uh, well, maybe we can start by defining what Xamarin is, I guess. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> maybe, you know, starting at the bottom, right? Yeah. So Xamarin is, uh, it's, it's basically a, a framework and tools which allow you to build a cross-platform application using, uh, the net language and, you know, probably mainly C sharp, but also F sharp and, and other things. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, in the end, one thing which is really interesting with Xamarin is that it's, in the end, it builds fully native applications. And so you use C Sharp as a tool. But then when you build during the build process, it's actually going to create uh, an actual native iOS application, an actual native Android application and also a, uh, a Windows phone application. If you, if you select that as well. So uh, on classic Xamarin, I say classic as opposed to Xamarin forms. Uh, the, the Windows phone development is of course using the, you know, the Windows phone SDK, the Microsoft SDK, right? And so the big advantage of that approach for us, uh, who who love mobile development and who really want to offer the best possible experience to to the users, is that the application is really truly native and it is uh, not making any compromise. It is not going to have a kind of a wonky UI, you know, which is not exactly following the um, the conventions and the guidelines and the design language of the of the platform that it is running on. So that is, I would say, the classic Xamarin. And then after that, on top of that, Xamarin released um, an addition to the framework, which is actually a portable class library that you add to your applications. And this is giving you the possibility to develop not just your business logic and maybe your view model layer in C Sharp and to share it uh, between the platforms, but it is also allowing you to develop the user interface once and to share it across the platforms. And
0: that was the missing piece, right? I mean, you when Xamarin came out, it was all great for the stuff that goes, you know, across all these platforms, but not everything did. And it was mostly that uh, the UI piece, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I see that with a little bit, um, of, uh, how should I say? I, I see that as an addition to the classic Xamarin and not as a replacement, at least not yet. Mostly because, like I told you before, um, the classic Xamarin way allows you to build a truly native UI without any compromise, right? And so you go ahead, you build your UI exactly like, uh, like you would if you were using Java on Android or, you know, Objective-C on iOS. Um with Form, since you build the UI only once, of course, you're going to have to f- do a few compromise. You're right. going to have to, so instead of having everything left aligned on the screen like you have on Windows Phone, maybe you're going to center some things on the screen because it is more uh, adequate for all three platforms that you're targeting. The three platforms being probably Windows Phone, iOS, and Android. Um maybe for certain lists, you're going to adopt different layouts than you would on certain platforms. So there is a little bit of compromise going on and it's uh, definitely not bad, but it means that it is maybe not suited for all the applications that you want to do. Right. Uh, it is definitely suited for certain types of applications for sure.
0: And I would say, you know, your basic form apps, you know, things yep. that are just data on pages and also maps, they've done... Uh, some stuff with mapping that is great. So any kind of GPS-enabled app, this is where Mm -hmm. I went, and I I thought this was wonderful.
2: I I totally agree, and uh, the interesting thing with uh, forms is that um, at evolve which uh, at the time of recording was last week right so it was just a few days ago uh, they actually announced uh, a partnership with all the major controls makers uh, i don't want to name them but basically you know them right some of them sponsor your shows sure. and all that yeah and <laughs> and uh, those guys released a lot of controls which run natively on forms and so if you think about it It's pretty amazing because for a business application, you want to have a bar graph. You want to have a, you know, a a nice graphic going on. You place it only once on your page and then it will render natively on, on each of the platform, which is pretty cool. Um, another thing, which is really, um, very interesting in Xamarin forms is that it can also allow you to evolve your application. So you can start with forms, but then gradually you can replace parts of the UI with, um, you know, in, in one case, uh, uh, a real Windows phone user f- user control, for example, or in another case, maybe a real Android fragment. And so evolve your application towards a more native uh, look and feel, possibly. So it's, right. uh, it's a very nice uh, concept, I think.
0: And we should also mention that um, one of the great things about Xamarin is even though you have this cross-platform shared code, you do have the ability to drop down into native code on any of these platforms, and use the mm-hmm. yeah, and use the APIs in C sharp on those native platforms.
2: That's correct, and you can you can also use uh, the um, native, like for example, iOS components mm-hmm. which exist really for an iOS application, and put that into your applica- into your own application, which is an actual you know Xamarin app. So they have also a rich ecosystem in addition to the NuGet packages that we all know on .NET and that we probably use. Uh, They also have a rich ecosystem of components which are really native Android slash iOS components. So you can really compose your application and uh, in the end, like I said, it's uh, really hard to know and probably you won't even be able to say, oh, that's a Xamarin app as opposed to an Objective-C app or uh, you know a Java, an Android Java application.
0: Right, because in the end, the UI is rendered using the you know, the, the UI engine of the platform. So a Windows Correct. Phone app looks like a Windows Phone app and an iOS mm-hmm. app looks like an iOS app. But yet you define those uh elements those ui elements in a, mm-hmm. a cross-platform xaml-ish uh and i'll say xaml-ish because it's xaml but the objects that you're used to using in wpf and other, other things are there so yeah, i guess it is xaml
2: yeah it's uh i mean in the sense that xaml is an, um you know it's uh, it's not a closed specification Correct. right so yeah. Uh, it is definitely XAML. It's just not what I call Windows XAML. Yeah. It's uh, XAML informed XAML. So it's, uh, it's yeah. slightly different. Um, the advantage of using XAML here, um, in my opinion is less obvious than on Windows where you have Blend, which is yeah. an absolutely fantastic designer. It's, uh, to this day, and I use many of them, but I think it's still the, the best. It is, you know, dynamic designers that you can use to develop your app. Uh it's extremely powerful. On the Xamarinforms side, there is no designer at this time. And it's probably one of the questions that the Informs got the most at Evolve last week. It was, you know, when are we going to get a designer? Unfortunately to these days there is no announcement about that.
0: But if you think about it, it makes sense, right? I mean you you're when you're designing in Blend, you're doing these very specific Correct. things, you know, that uh animations and things that may or may not be supported on all of these platform so uh, there's only so far you can go you need to let the the native uh ui engine render it appropriately
2: no that is correct and i think that one thing that we would love to see and uh, i i spoke to quite a few people at evolve and everybody agrees on that um having having at least uh, a kind of a static renderer which would allow you to see what you're doing without having to run the application. And probably some parts of the application, some parts of the page are going to be missing. Mm. Uh, maybe lists are going to not be populated, or maybe they will be. Um, but in a way that you can just see, OK, do I have my margins right? Do I have my um, you know, my fonts, my text size, my font colors, uh, those kind of things right? Without having to run the application because running the application is quite uh, time consuming. And so that's what you want to avoid if you can. Uh, of course, eventually you'll have to run the application to see on the, you know, on the actual device, how it looks like. But basically, if you can uh, have a little bit less cycles, that can be interesting. So I have to say, um, I have, you know, worked on some techniques which allow you to run the application without actually connecting to um, to your data services or your database and all that. And so that's going to speed up the speed of iteration, the speed of development uh, of the of the UI. Um, it's not as good as if you have an actual designer that you can work on, but at least it helps a little bit. So basically there are m- many techniques that you can use to to develop faster.
1: You know, and it's not running on one device either. This is all about cross-platform development. How many oh, devices yes. do you need to test on? before yep. you really have confidence. And I'm looking at you, Android.
2: Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely true. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, without wanting to make uh, some promotion or anything, but uh, Xamarin was talking about uh, about their test cloud offering that they have. And uh, it's uh, basically a way that you can test your uh, your application uh, with some automation so you can script some tests in C Sharp. And uh, I think they said they are supporting it this time, they are supporting something like 1,000 devices which means that there are really one thousand different configurations between iOS and and Android, and of course, out of those, probably six are iOS and nine thousand nine hundred ninety four are Android, I suppose. So uh, that's quite amazing when you think about the number of devices that you need to test your application on. Indeed,
0: one of the things that I think people get hung up on the most when uh, learning about Xamarin and Xamarin Forms is the role of portable class libraries and how they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Xamarin Forms, we have two ways to do a uh, the UI app uh, part of it, and that is with uh, portable class libraries or uh, as a shared project. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could just give people a little refresher on portable class libraries and how they work, both at mm-hmm. the interface level and at the uh, implementation level.
2: Sure. Uh, so portable class libraries are a way to declare a project to build a project uh, so typically normally it's a class library and this class library is going to be binary compatible with multiple platforms. So if we take a look back into the history of .NET which uh, dates now my god 13 years or so I guess um, you know, in the beginning, you had only one version of .NET, and then after that, it expanded, and then you have multiple versions. And uh, things started to get very complicated when they added Silverlight to the mix, and then you know, Windows Phone, Windows 8, etc. And so, one problem that we have here is that if you build a class library um, for WPF, you're not going to be able to use it uh, in Silverlight or in Windows Phone or in Windows 8 because it's not binary compatible. And um, so some techniques that we developed to uh, allow to do that anyway was to share uh, code at the file level. So we were basically reusing the same files in multiple projects, uh, adding them as link in Visual Studio as shortcuts, right? And then building. And so we had uh, multiple uh, binaries in the end. And so portable class libraries are um, quite a big change into that because now you can select a profile into your application. And for example, let's say that I, I choose a profile which supports uh, .NET 4.5, um, Windows Phone 8, Windows Phone 8.1, Windows 8 and 8.1. And probably I'm going to add uh, Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android to the mix. And so I end up with just one DLL, but which, is, which can be used in applications built for all those platforms. And so that's, of course, um, especially for people, uh, li- like me who develop frameworks, uh, it's really a big help because you're going to have to build and to unit test your library only once. And then you know that it works on all those platforms, basically. And so, uh, Xamarin is using that. And, uh, it was already a great help when they did that just for the, uh, for APIs for libraries and all that. Because basically if you had the library, which was running on Windows Phone 8. For example, you could take it and reuse it in your in your Xamarin application uh, pretty much immediately. And um, now they also decided to use this concept of Portable Class Library for the UI assembly as well. And so it's a little bit, um, I would say, a transgression of what the PCL was, in, you know, initially made for, but uh, basically nothing prevents you to put some XAML into a PCL and right. to use it, you know, to 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 reference that into a WPF application and to use it there. And so here in that case, they use their own flavor of XAML, which is Xamarin.Forms XAML, and right. they put that into the PCL.
1: You know, the fact that the PCL means portable doesn't mean you have to use it that way either. I think mm-hmm. it's a pretty good habit. I'm almost, I'm almost looking at it as like the next version of the .NET framework in general. It, you know, it seems like there's a lot of work going on there more than there is in the, the framework as a whole.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, probably PCL was a step on the road to the universal applications. Uh, right. And You probably know that universal is a little bit, uh, You know, it's a little bit an ambitious term, and nowadays it's... That's the politest
1: way to put something so arrogant as (laughs) universal (laughs) is two platforms, both made by Microsoft.
2: Right, exactly. And and so you can extend universal apps and add, for example, Xamarin things and all that. But basically, in the end, the, the universal application, this is really pretty much just a tooling thing, right? And so we were already building universal applications before we had those tools. So it's just a matter of how you structure your app. But right. we, with portable cost library, this is really the, the real, you know, the real uh, game changing thing, really, is that you can build one library and then use it in multiple places. And I think it's going to be very similar. Basically the lessons that we learned today using PCL and using uh, the universal application, you know, tools yeah. um, is, is probably going to be the, uh, you know, the most significant thing that we learn for when we develop for Windows 10. Which is really going to be truly well. I guess you can also say universal. Uh, probably still on <laughs> Windows platforms, but at least this is going to add a lot more to the mix, like uh, you know, a, a real code sharing and binary sharing between Windows Phone, Windows Eight, but also uh, Windows Desktop and Xbox, and and later maybe even Xamarin in a way, right? Yeah. So right. so now we are probably more universal than we used to be last year.
1: <laughs> well, and it, and it sort of brings to the idea that at some point you want you know there's this dream that we would do all of our development in one place and it would run on everything do you really see that like a hundred percent code sharing (laughs) one code based all platforms
2: well so you know my one of the first rich uh language platforms that i learned was java and uh, and i'm talking uh you know the 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 java 1.0 right so really in the very very beginning of java and that was a promise. And since then, I've been burned so many times with a promise of, uh, you know, right ones run everywhere that I just don't believe to it anymore. And, you know, I think that in the end, I'm not even sure that I want that because you're going to have to adapt at least, at least your user interface to the experience that you want to target. Right. And I think that if we learned anything from Windows 8 and, you know, I, I like Windows 8, I'm not a, a basher or anything. But if we learned anything from Windows 8 is that people don't want a touch interface when they are using the mouse. And they don't want uh, a mouse interface, think about Windows 7 running on, on tablets, for example, yeah. when they are using fingers, right? And so that's why I like the Windows 10, this uh, continuum mode that they have where basically they detect. Uh, you know, I'm using a Surface Pro 3 as my day-to-day device for about a month now. But
1: did you put the technical preview on it?
2: No, not yet. Uh, mostly because I tried, and then I got so many problems with the uh, with drivers, which didn't install, and so eventually I gave up because I didn't want to break everything be- before yeah. my session at Evolve last week. So <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit careful. Um, but I but I do run Windows 8.1 though, and I really like that I can, you know, undock it. When I dock it, it's a it's a laptop. When I undock it, it's a tablet. And so yeah. I think the Continue mode is going to make that even better.
1: Well, and it also speaks to the UI that we need to build, that you as an app builder have to be sensitive to. You're undocked, your tablet, make sure the touch-optimized experience is there. You're docked, yep. you've got a mouse, make sure the mouse-optimized experience is there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And, and right now, it's still a little bit manual in the way that... uh if, uh, you know, if I undock it and I put it in tablet mode, it's not going to detect that I'm doing that. And so um, there are a few things which are cool. Like, for example, in in Office, you know, if you use a mouse, you have a, a UI which is a little bit more compact. But if you use your fingers, they are going to give a little bit more space to menu items and stuff like that. Right. So so I think this is a, you know, a good step on the way. But basically, it's a true continue mode where you can... Undock and then move to a complete tablet experience, or dock it and then go back to to a start menu experience. These kind of things are, are quite important, and and so I don't believe that 100% code reuse and 100% um uh, you know uh, uh, basically a landscape where you don't have to develop anything in order to put your application on a phone is scaring me because I don't think that's going to be an optimal experience for a phone user uh maybe the framework can do certain things to help you there maybe like automatically selecting the correct controls a little bit like Xamarin forms is doing uh when you you know when you build for android it's going to select a different Tab controls and on Windows Phone, where it's going to select a pivot, for example. Right. Uh, yeah. These kind of things, but at the same time, you still need to do a little to spend a little bit of time, and especially, um, I think that it's important that designers, especially, spend a little bit of time on the application and make sure that it is actually adapted to the right platform.
1: And when we get back to this whole idea of actually testing on the device, like does this yeah. feel good in your hand? Mm-hmm. Does the screen make sense? Can you reach it with your thumb? Mm-hmm. Those things that your user is actually going to do with the device.
2: Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's correct, and so uh, it, we. I, I don't quite believe in two, you know, right ones run everywhere, but I believe that it's it's the first time in you know more than twenty years of software development that I feel confident that we are at a point now where we will be able with a lot less work to run our application on a large number of platforms, and I think this is basically a one more step on on the road that we started quite a long time ago because we, you know, since they added Silverlight to the mix, we have been interested to to develop code which was running on WPFN on Silverlight. Right. And then when Windows Phone came, it was just a logical additional step, right? And, uh, I, you know, my firm does development for Xbox applications and there is no secret that this is also one of the frameworks that we are interested to, you know, to do code with. And if you can have, Any level of code reuse, basically, you're going to be faster. And so that's always an advantage.
0: Absolutely. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, It must be that happy time again. Yep.
2: (laughs) It's time to out Lorraine Bagnon
0: as a member of the elusive Swiss cheese cartel. (laughs) (laughs) And he knows what I'm talking about too, don't you? (laughs) I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Are you serious? All right. So (laughs) on Planet Money this week. I heard a great story about this uh, Swiss cheese cartel that operated in Switzerland to control the types of uh, cheese and the, the prices of cheese uh, up until just recently, for like the last 80 years. And yeah. I, it was fascinating to me.
2: I'm not sure that was even secret. I think it's pretty much, you know, pretty much everybody knows about that. Well, <laughs> not, uh, not,
0: in, not in my country, they don't. Okay. We okay. just know, hey, why are we eating all this fondue?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, there is a hidden agenda for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's really fascinating. All
0: right. Anyway, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about Telerik's UI for Xamarin. Build native apps for iOS, Android, and Windows Phone using your .NET skills. Leverage platform-specific features in your Xamarin apps and extend Xamarin forms. To bridge the gaps in the Xamarin Forms controls offering with controls like their cross-platform calendar control, go to Telerik.com slash Xamarin UI or Google Bing Telerik UI for Xamarin to download a trial copy. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Walt Impellicieri from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Congratulations, Walt. Congratulations, Walt. You just won a Telerik DevCraft collection. Hey, if you don't know what we're talking about here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .netrocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away sponsor products like this. Great sponsor products. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .netrocks fan club. Picked at random, but you got to join to win. And, Laurent, we like to ask our guests... If you had $5000 US to spend right now on technology what would you buy?
2: Uh, it's a very good question. I would probably spend it on hardware more than software, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, you know, I'm a sucker for for hardware stuff and uh, right now I'm very happy because I just got my new Surface Pro 3 a month ago, so I'm, nice. I'm not uh, you know, I'm still enjoying the uh, the discovery of the new stuff. And you like it? Um I, I do like it. Yeah, I do like it. It's, uh, it's a very nice device. I'm trying to, um, to make it my main machine. And mm-hmm. so I had the Dell before and now I retired the Dell. I kept it just in case, um, you know, in case something goes wrong. <laughs> right. But, uh, generally speaking, yeah, I do all my development on the surface now and it's working just fine. So I'm quite happy about it. But, you know, there are so many, uh, beautiful devices now and, uh, I would probably buy a drone, I guess. Uh, it's been kind of uh, one of my interests lately and, uh, I think that buying a very nice, you know, big, solid drone would probably be something nice. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Yeah, the Phantom Eye. You <laughs> know, <it's> a couple <laughs> right. of grand. You get a pretty serious uh, that is a m- serious uh drone out of that.
0: Uh-huh. It has a a, a gable to hold the um camera so it gets yes. really smooth shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and,
1: and bigger motors. Like it's just a more you know, so many quadcopters, like I, I got nothing to say bad about Parrot AR, but that's an inexpensive, you know, 200 mm-hmm. dollars dollars drone when you spend 10 times that on essentially the same form factor you get a really nice device
2: yep that's right but on the other hand i think it's amazing what you can get now like uh it evolves they had this uh lounge called the darwin lounge and they had a lot of uh, toys basically you know let's call it (laughs) let's call them what they are and uh they had those mini drones which can fly like five minutes and then you have to recharge them for 15 minutes Right. So it's kind of a poor experience in terms of, you know, flying them and all that. But the thing which is amazing is that they are big like my finger and they are quadcopters. So the the propeller is about, I don't know, it was probably about less than an inch. I mean, definitely probably half an inch of diameter. And uh, those things are pretty amazing when you think about it, right? I I mean, how how much smaller can you get?
1: Yeah, no kidding. We're living in an interesting drone world.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so, yeah
1: going to have more and more all right let's uh let's dive back into this because uh uh-huh. i really want to get into some of the other elements around building these uh projects with xamarin forms i mean it, it, to me it seems like this is now the funny part is that xamarin used to be uh windows phone was a second class citizen now more than anything it seems like forms makes windows phone uh, a, a full a real boy
2: yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that they ever saw Windows Phone as a as a second class citizen. It's just that the Windows SDK, the Windows Phone SDK, was what you would use to build there, and so they didn't really have anything to add to the mix, I guess. And it's a little bit, if you think about it, it's a little bit the same. Then, um, you know, when you develop for Android, and then you're using, for example, Genymotion, which is not made by by Xamarin, right? So it's an emulator that you use to run your your, your Android application and to test it. And, uh, well, it seems that they had something to add here since they, you know, released their own Android emulator. But I think it's mostly about, uh, about having an emulator, which is more performant than really the native Android emulator, which are absolutely, uh, you know, horrible in terms of performance. Um, but basically, I guess that they were, um, they were aware of the fact that the Windows Phone SDK was pretty complete and there was really nothing much to add. Uh, when you go to forms, on the other hand, then of course, uh, they have to render the application in a way which is going to run on Windows phone. And so this is what they are adding really. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, in the way that you, when you create your forms application, you're going to get, um, uh, you know, an, a Windows phone application, an Android application, an iOS application, but mostly you don't touch those. It's really just here so that you can build and get an executable, which is going to be loaded on your on your respective devices. But uh, where you do most of the work, like I mentioned before, it's inside this portable class library, which is where you do your whole UI. And most of the data is going to be into another portable class library, most probably, which is going to be the, uh, you know, the model, the view model layers. And right. uh, that's uh, that's a very neat model. And so especially if you're in Visual Studio and you um, you can switch from uh, one environment to the other, just by basically setting the, The corresponding application as uh, as start, uh, what is it called, Uh, you know, start project or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you run it. And so in the case of Windows Phone, it will automatically start the Windows Phone emulator or your device if you prefer. In the case of Android, it will go on the Android emulator or your device. In the case of uh, iOS, well, you have to have a Mac somewhere because Apple is, uh, you know, forcing you to use a Mac to build and to... um, and to uh, run on the emulator, but it's no big deal. Basically, you just put a mac on your network somewhere, and then you can use that to uh, to build and test the application. So it's uh, it's pretty smooth.
0: Um, can, do we talk enough about shared projects versus portable class library projects?
2: Absolutely. So when you when you build a shared project, what you're going to do is that you're going to uh, share code, like the name shows, but instead of uh, creating One binary which is going to be used by different platforms, you're going to actually create multiple binaries. But Visual Studio is going to help you, or Xamarin Studio for that matter, if Mm. you if you prefer to use the Xamarin version Mm -hmm. uh, of the studio, uh, is going to help you by providing some tooling around that. And so if we go back a little bit in history, um, we were already, you know, I, I said that before, we were already creating universal applications even before the word universal applications existed and what we were doing back then is that we were coding in a file and then we were dragging this file into another project and not quite making a copy but adding it as a link and so this file would be compiled multiple times and then you ended up with one version of your binary for wpf one version of the binary for windows phone etc now, with the universal application and with the the, uh, sorry, the shared project, um, tooling, what you get in Visual Studio or in Xamarin Studio is a, a special type of project in which you can drag your files. You can create new code files and those files are automatically be shared, um, are mm-hmm. going to be automatically shared between your projects. And so let's say that in, uh, you know, in the universal application model, which is on Windows, you have a Windows 8 application, Windows Phone application, and the shared project. Anything you put in the shared project is going to be automatically added to the Windows Phone application and to the Windows 8 application. Yeah. And so that could be uh, code files, which are going to be compiled, could be XAML, could be images, could be icons, could be any anything, really. Right. And so what uh, Xamarin did when they created Xamarin Forms, they are doing the same thing. Um for your UI project. And so you can have a UI project, which is actually a shared project in which you create your um, your XAML, your C Sharp, et cetera. And uh, it's one of the variants. And the other variant is to use a portable class library for that instead. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I see makes me think that you should probably go with a portable class library uh, model. Yeah.
0: Well, it's well known. You know,
2: it, it's well known. Yeah, it, it is probably the future of uh, of software development. I think you want to have one binary in the end, which is running everywhere. Right. And so, unless you have very good reasons, uh, maybe there are such good reasons, but I, unless you have very good reasons, I would rather recommend uh, not using the shared uh, project uh, structure for that kind of hmm. things. And I'm not talking here; I'm, I'm really talking purely on Xamarin Forms here. I'm not talking about the Windows Universal Application Model, which is something totally different, right? right. Okay, good enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Now um I I wrote a blog post at uh, carlfranklin.net and I'll put a link to it about how I went around the horn with using a Mac mini and mm-hmm. uh, because if you're going to develop iOS apps and this is not just for Xamarin forms for any Xamarin thing if you're going to develop an mm-hmm. iOS app you need a Mac somehow to do the compiling on but you can mm-hmm. sort of uh, as you said before just sort of link you know have a network connection to it Mm-hmm. And uh that's enough because there's a a nice little plugin for Visual Studio it goes out, finds your Mac and it does the compiling and brings it back. It's kind of transparent, but I found that having a MacBook Pro with both Windows and Mac installed on it is the way to go and For me, I used parallels, which I guess you know that was the option that I chose. but somebody else uh posted a um a comment that said what they did was they used bootcamp to install windows and so they run windows completely separate from the mac os most of the time and then when they want to do xamarin development they load the mac and then use the ghost image as a vm right so they boot into windows and you can go full screen but you're still in the mac uh in mac land Mm -hmm. and that way you use both together
2: yes these are the two um the two options that we see and uh you know, quite a few people use a MacBook Pro, like you mentioned, and they put Windows on it and they use that. Uh, mm-hmm. Me, I don't like Macs. And so I I like I'm more a PC user, definitely. And so having it of my, on my network is uh, the best solution for my use case, I guess. Yeah. Um The only disadvantage with that is, of course, when you're traveling, then that's something else. Having everything on one machine is probably a good option. Yeah. Uh, if you travel a lot. Uh, personally, I would, you know, I love my touch screen so much. I would never buy a machine which doesn't have a touch. Yeah,
0: that is, there is
2: that. Yeah, Yeah. even to do software development. I find myself, you know, constantly using the stylus and, and being quite productive like that, but I think it's, uh, mostly it's about the taste and, uh, some people, you know, love the Mac experience. Personally, I don't like it. I prefer the, uh, the surface experience or before even my, uh, my Dell was quite a good experience as well. So it's really up to us and, uh, it's actually nice that we have a choice, right?
0: Yeah, totally agree. I totally agree. Well, it, it's just so much easier, everything being on one machine. So, uh, I, I would definitely recommend it if you can spring for it to do that. And you know, the, you don't have to run the Mac OS all the time. Like mm-hmm. I say, if you use Boot Camp, Windows runs really well on a MacBook Pro. <laughs> it's really amazing.
1: It's a very nice piece of very hardware. Very
0: nice hardware.
1: It will it will run whatever the hell you want. You know, it is in the end still. An Intel box. You know, nothing to it than that. Hey, should we talk a little bit about MVVM Lite? I would, uh, yeah, I would
2: definitely like that. If you, <laughs> if you are part
1: of to. the .NET Foundation, uh, you know, yes. been around for a while, and it works with Xamarin Forms.
2: That is correct. Yeah. So um last week at Evolve, I gave a presentation called uh, "Building Cross-Platform Applications with Xamarin, Xamarin Forms, and MVVM Light," and uh, I took the occasion to release uh, on the same day the version five of MVVM Light. And this version is uh, compatible with Xamarin. So that was kind of the big, uh, big change that I added into this version. Wow. Um, so on Xamarin forms, I have to say it was kind of, uh, kind of boring to do this part because it just works. And so I didn't really have to do much about it. <laughs> um, the advantage is that on Xamarin forms, since you have XAML and they also added a very nice binding and commanding system. Uh, which is not totally up to par with the binding system that we have on Windows, XAML, but uh, it is really you know going there, and uh, I know that they are adding new new features, which is going to be to make it even more powerful. And so, basically, uh, if you build, uh, you know, your uh, your business logic and your view model layers using uh, MVVM Light, for example, on Windows. Um, inside the, inside the portable class library, then you can, uh, just import it into your Xamarin forms project, uh, reference it, and then you can start doing your binding in XAML directly. And so you don't have to, uh, to have any add-on of any kind into Xamarin forms. Um, on the other hand, on Xamarin Android and Xamarin iOS, uh, the big difference here is that, of course, the UI is quite different. And, uh, for those right. of you who tried Xamarin Android and Xamarin iOS, you know that you have to build the UI, even though it is in C Sharp, but it is very similar in the syntax and in the way that you build the UI to, um, you know, to native Android, respectively native iOS. And so here, uh, what I decided to do is add a few helper classes uh which are making uh the task of building the UI easier uh because honestly <laughs> when you try that on you you cannot believe how pampered we are on the windows side and how much, how much easier it is to build UI on windows and on android and especially on iOS and we still complain about it yep. and we still complain all the time about it so yes there is that
0: <laughs> do you see this is a really interesting question i don't know if you are because you're not we're not in this community but do you see people who develop a native Uh, Java and iOS apps, you know, in Objective-C and in Java coming over to C Sharp because of all these great
2: tools? Um, What I see is people who don't like to develop their application multiple times. And so uh, some of the people are already having uh, an iOS and an Android application. Uh, Windows Phone is still, you know, the minority, obviously, because there is this, you know, whole... uh, Uh, whole landscape, which is uh, heavily (laughs) balanced or or rather unbalanced towards Android and a little bit less, but still, you know, towards iOS. And so there is definitely that. So I think that a lot of people who came uh, to C Sharp, to Xamarin from iOS and from uh, Android are looking into uh, rationalizing the cost of development for, for their application. And uh there are definitely some people who come also from the Windows side and who decide to port their application using Xamarin to iOS and Android and then to reach a new market. So there is this kind of two trends um inside the uh, inside the Xamarin community. And it was quite interesting, I have to say, at the at the conference to meet uh you know quite a few people um who I never see in Microsoft conferences because they just don't develop for the Microsoft landscape at all.
0: Yeah, sure is interesting. I would like to know because we're mostly in the .NET space, right? I would, I would mm-hmm. like to reach over, maybe do some sleuthing, some blogging, and see what the people in the in the Apple community are saying, and uh, in the Android development community.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the way I see it is that if people are coming to Xamarin and to C Sharp and see, you know, C Sharp is a nice language, especially when you come from Objective C. Um so they see probably the ease of development and then at some point they realize that adding Windows Phone to the mix is uh, very cheap in terms of uh, effort that they have to do because they already have all this you know this code which is shared uh, so definitely it is a net gain for the Windows Phone platform as yeah. well in the end yes. and it's definitely uh, one of the arguments that we use when we talk to clients and if they you know, even though sometimes they are not really interested to go to Windows Phone quite yet, but by uh, proving them that you can uh, architect your application in a nice way, maybe putting MVVM light to the mix, you know, because it's going to increase the, uh, the, the surface of code that you can share. And then after that, for a, a very low cost, you can build the UI and have a, a running Windows Phone application for really a fraction of the cost that you would have if you started from scratch. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, it's a whole different story suddenly.
0: Laurent, um, are you familiar with
2: MVVM-Cross? I am. I am very familiar with it, actually. And uh, in fact, I know um, the the developer of MVVM-Cross, Stuart Stuart Lodge, as well. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that's quite an interesting story. For a very long time, it was the only uh, MVVM framework, or I would say probably the only very mature uh, MVVM framework available on Xamarin. And um, right. you know, Stuart uh, did a tremendous job there. He built a very, very complete framework, mm. and um, a lot of people are using it, And I think that um, I don't quite see MVVM light as a direct competition to that.
0: Right, because he's using Xamarin forms, whereas his MVVM reaches into the UI on the platform.
2: Um, so, MVVM Lite, the new version, version five, also, um, adds, uh, helper classes and components for the, for the platform. So, for Xamarin Android, Xamarin iOS. Mm. So, it's not just on forms. It's also on, uh, on the full, uh, on the classic Xamarin side, I would say. Okay. Uh, for example, I added a binding framework and a commanding framework, which allow you to build your UI in a, in a manner, which is closer to what we do on the Windows side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I added a few helper classes, which allow you to, you know, to avoid the repetitive work of building your, your UI and all that. Uh, so the same kind of work that I did on uh, on the Windows side. Uh, that said, MVVM Lite is um, is simpler and less ambitious than uh, MVVM Cross. And if you know on the Windows side, uh, Caliburn, uh, it's pretty much the same story where Caliburn is a very, very complete framework. It's huge. It really allows you to, to build uh, complete applications. But at the same time, the learning curve is probably steeper than if you go with MVVM Lite, which is... Uh, lighter and more modular, so you can you know select the components you like and and leave the rest. And so just like on Windows, we saw that there is really a complementarity between Caliburn and MVVM Light. And some people preferring to go the you know having maybe the steeper learning curve, but at the same time having uh, the more powerful Caliburn. Mm. Uh, and some other people who prefer the lightweight approach and the the approach which is uh Maybe less complicated to learn and maybe a little bit more modular uh, of MVVM Light, and I think we'll have the same kind of story on, uh, on Xamarin as well. And uh, I definitely think that MVVM Cross has a has has a you know great space on Xamarin, but I think that MVVM Light has also some space there. And uh, everything I saw at at Evolve and everybody who talked to me mm-hmm. and uh, was quite excited about MVVM Light coming to Xamarin um, pretty much comforted me in that in that uh, idea.
0: Now, um, do you think that because Xamarin Forms sort of takes so much off the plate and with Xamarin tools on multiple platforms, do you think that MVM light is the right amount of overhead? You know, in other words, it's it's got the right amount of features for that particular combination, and that's why it can be light.
2: Yeah, I think for Xamarin forms, um, one big advantage of Xamarin forms is that the, the forms team is doing the binding and commanding framework. Yeah. And so I didn't have to do it. I, I can just plug into that, just like I did on Windows XAML. Yeah. And so in that manner, it's not just about. Um, about one less component that I have to manage, but also the workflow is very similar, right? You yes. build your view model, you build your model, then you you build your view, you do your bindings. It's exactly the same workflow. So I think for Xamarin Forms MVVM Light just fits very naturally inside there. Um, for completion, I have to add that um, when you do when you create basically a new MVVM um, sorry a new Xamarin Forms application you will get out of the box some MVVM components. So the Forms team decided to add a few components, uh, like they have an implementation of iCommand, they have a few things there. Um, I I tend to think that those are uh, quite simple implementations that probably, you know, they are okay to get started, maybe to get a good idea of what MVVM is and how it works. And probably at some point, you probably want to switch to to a framework which is uh, maybe a little bit more mature, I would say uh it's quite similar to the effort that microsoft does on on windows phone for example where mm. if you create a new windows phone application uh, sometimes you get also some helper classes which help you to get started with mvvm yeah. uh but that said it's interesting to see that uh, for for Xamarin forms the mvvm pattern is definitely something very natural and very it fits natural. inside very well yeah but
1: not required
2: either no no exactly mvvm is always uh, optional anyway and you can build your whole ui um Using even handlers, if this is what you prefer, um, my session at uh, at Evo was recorded, and so when it's out, it's not quite out yet. But when it's out, people who are interested can probably go and check it out. And I'm explaining, you know, some of the advantage of using MBVM on Xamarin as well, and uh, notably, it is about increasing the uh, amount of code that you share um and uh, and and about increasing the uh, you know the surface of your application which can be tested and about making the workflow a little bit easier as well all that but it's uh, it's totally optional and that's one of the nice uh, features of MVVM light is that you can um, select certain components which make your life easier and then decide against using the others for example it's not going to force you into a programming style at all
0: also we should mention your plural course on MVVM light toolkit fundamentals
2: well, if you insist, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate. The, <laughs> I appreciate the plug.
0: <laughs> well, if someone's going to be doing Xamarin Forms development and then wants to put MVVM Light into mm-hmm. it, this would still be. I mean, this is about MVVM Light, this Plural Site course, it's not necessarily about Xamarin Forms, but it does matter, right?
2: Yeah, that is correct. So uh, the the, the fundamental course on Plural site is definitely going to help people get started because I am reviewing every one of the components of MVVM Light. And uh, all those components, with one single exception, are absolutely platform agnostic. And so they are going to run everywhere in exactly the same manner. So you can use all those components on uh, on Xamarin forms as well. I have to add, it's uh, still very early, but I have to add that we are um, working uh, on uh, on a course which is going to be dedicated to the Xamarin side of MBVM Lite. But like I said, it's still very early, and so I expect that we'll probably publish it uh, sometimes in the beginning of next year
0: booyah that's what i like to hear this is an (laughs) exciting time to be a developer
2: oh yeah it is and uh, it's been for about the 20 last years of my life so i'm very happy to still be alive right and just one (laughs) final
0: thought here from me anyway and that is that it seems like with xamarin forms we're we're truly getting the uh, let's say the the realization of the vision that microsoft had with silverlight aren't
2: we well, there is maybe something to it, I guess, in the sense that on Silverlight you are also building your UI once, building everything once, really, and then running it on Mac and running it on, um, you know, running it on uh, on Windows as well. So there is definitely something something to that.
0: Yeah, heck, we can go all the way back to Java if we want to, you know. The, I, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: yeah no it's uh it's true I think the force um and, and probably the strength of xamarin forms over those solutions um is the uh the lack of a virtual machine and so the fact that they are compiling directly to native um is probably a uh probably a good point and in the sense that it's going to allow you first of all you don't have to worry about your application not uh getting certified in the apple store for example you know to name just one right. Um, because it is an actual iOS application and uh, it's not really distinguishable from a from a from another application, as opposed to hybrid apps which uh, run into a shell, but they are not really iOS application in the end. So I think that's probably one advantage. And then the other thing is the perf. I mean, the uh, in terms of performance and in terms of UX, uh, you're going to to get the true native user experience on those platforms, and it's probably a probably a very good choice. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up?
2: Well, you know, it's, I uh, just want to say maybe one thing about Evolve. Uh, it was my first time at Xamarin Evolve, and uh, it really totally reminded me of uh, Microsoft Mix conferences, uh, mostly because it's, uh, uh, you know, the conference is a bit smaller than a build or a tech for example, which have really, uh, you know, uh, multiple thousands attendees and so it's uh, kind of difficult to find people. It um, yeah. evolved just like at mix. We had really a very nice contact with the attendees, and uh, very good, you know, side uh, events as well, where it was really possible to meet all the speakers. You know, Charles Petzold was there. I don't know if you know that Charles Petzold is uh, working quite a lot on Xamarin I know that. Form- yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, he's all in. Exactly. And so he was there, absolutely possible to go and talk to him and uh, Nat Friedman and, and Miguel, uh, you know, the respectively CEO and CTO of Xamarin were there and mm-hmm. you could just go and talk to them and ask them about future versions and maybe hint them about what is missing, for example, a designer for Xamarin Forms. Uh, <laughs> et cetera et cetera <laughs> no,
1: no real bias there yeah, exactly on, you know. no no exactly
2: <laughs> and, and so I, I think that it was really awesome to have this kind of uh, of energy and this kind of um, of nice community feeling, but at the same time it's uh, quite amazing that evolve has grown tremendously, and I think they said that last year it was half the size of this year, and so it shows the kind of interest which is uh, you know which is uh, into into this uh, community, so I'm quite happy to um have caught the train I would say and to, uh, to be part of that it's a, it's a nice experience and plus I'm very happy to see that Microsoft is considering uh, Xamarin and I think correctly as partners and not at all as competitors absolutely or, or, yeah
0: yeah it's great to see well I'm excited as I said Laurent thank you very much for joining us
2: thank you guys it was a pleasure
0: all right and we'll talk to you next time on .Net Rocks